0: Good morning. I am filled with emotion right now. It's so good to see everyone. When we walked in this morning, Dottie and Maria were waiting at the back and grabbed us and hugged us so big and little tears were coming on everybody. So it's so nice to see you and um, that just give you a little picture of what our life is like in Ethiopia, and um, my husband is now a, a video maker too, in addition to gynecology. <laughs> so uh, we uh, we really love living in Ethiopia, and it's been a really fabulous experience for us, and really more than we hoped that it would be. You know, we pray uh, that God would do immeasurably more than we can ask or even imagine, and He completely has. Um, we have just been overwhelmed by how much he's done in the almost year and a half that we've been gone. So uh, I'm going to be sharing this morning a little bit about the topic of community, and I'm going to weave in a little bit about some of our experiences, but that's not the primary purpose of my talking today. Um, and then I think there's a lunch afterward, and we'll um, do some Q&A. And then we have some other events where we'll show more And tell more stories if any of you are interested in coming to any of those. But um, uh, I've been thinking a lot about all of the differences between living in America and living in a third world country. Living in Ethiopia in um, East Africa. And so I thought I would share just a few of those with you. Some of the differences, if I remember how to use the clicker, Larry will instruct me, right? <laughs> All right. So, for one, we don't have daylight savings time there. So, my, our body clocks are very messed up right now. We have, we're have we trying to adjust to being here, and then you went and changed the time. So, we're... Uh, we're, we don't have that. Our time, everything is pretty much the same year-round. The sun rises a little bit after 6 o'clock and goes down just around like 6.30, I think, every day. And it's really beautiful weather there. It's 55 in the morning, 75 in the afternoon. So it's not super hot like everyone thinks about Africa. Um, so it's different. No seasons other than rainy season. So those are some things that are different. Another thing that's different is... That I'll go back here. Um, We I have to hang all my laundry on the clothesline we don't have, there's no such thing as a dryer in Ethiopia. There's, we do have a washer, thankfully, but um, most people don't, but we do, and we, but we hang everything out on the clothesline. So in the rainy season, this becomes quite challenging, as you might imagine, as it, we put it out, and then it pours, and then we bring it in, and then we take it back out, and and then we rewash it and try it again. So um, another uh, thing that, we uh, is different is that we don't own a car, and so we pretty much walk everywhere, or we take these little blue things that's called a bajaj. I think in India it's called a tuk tuk, but in Ethiopia it's called a bajaj, or we take a motorcycle. So if you can imagine me on the back of a motorcycle, I've done it several times um, in a skirt. so uh, that we we walk a lot but we also sometimes have to go a little bit further so we um, take those forms of transportation another thing is that uh, we don't have as many choices for food there's no such thing as walmart there's you don't go to the store and pick out one of 50 kinds of mayonnaise you know we we needed some cereal and he really wanted cornflakes and this is the box of cornflakes he found after we went to four stores. There were two of them. He bought both of them. I don't know. <laughs> they were very smashed. But he ate them anyway. So we, we get uh, milk delivered to our house every day straight out of the cow. It's still warm. And I pasteurize it every day. So I never did that before in my life. And uh, that's kind of fun just knowing it came right. It's fresh. It's right out of the cow. And he pours it on that. Cornflakes <laughs> from who knows where. <laughs> um, another thing is that we spend a lot of time together. Nate and I do. So when we lived here, he worked at Brookwood Hospital. He was an OBGYN. He worked a ton of hours. We didn't see each other that much for 20 years. And now he, he, his office, the hospital, is a three-minute walk from our house. So he comes home at lunch. Um, if I'm there working in my office, he'll come and sit on the bed and just talk and distract me from what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> and we just, we just see each other a lot more. We don't have a television, so at night we're there. We get just to visit or um, hang out. So we do spend a lot more time together. Um, another thing is that in Ethiopia, I am regularly reminded that I am the other Uh, As you can see in this picture, these children, they they look a little afraid, don't they, (laughs) to to get too close to me? Um, So children will either do this, they'll either be kind of far away, or they'll be on top of me, touching me, touching my hair, touching my skin. Um, Just depends on the child. But um, I'm just regularly reminded that I'm not one of them. And the minute we walk out of the compound where we live and out of the hospital, someone is yelling something at us. They use two different phrases. One is phareng, which means foreigner. So phareng, phareng, pharengy. Or China. They yell China at me. China, China. (laughs) Because I look Chinese, right? (laughs) So we've learned some phrases that we say back to them, and uh, so Nate has a phrase, he says, China giddike, which means I am not Chinese, and then he says, tiny walaita, which means I am from walaita, so our area is sodo walaita, so he says, I am from walaita, and then they crack up, they just think that's the funniest thing. So, um, and the other thing is, he has taught a bunch of people his name, and in Amharic, they don't say Nate, they say Naughty. (laughs) So we'll be running in the morning. It's so perfect, isn't it? We'll be running, and there'll be all these children yelling, Naughty, Naughty! (laughs) So, uh, and even when we're out in the city, people who have seen us running, they uh, still say Naughty, Naughty. So we feel like we're becoming a part of the area. Even though we're, we know we're not exactly one of them. We do feel like we're becoming incorporated more. Um, also, another difference is my heart is really broken regularly in Ethiopia, more so than here. Um, there's so much poverty, so much sickness. People come to the hospital, and they're in very bad situations. They've waited years to see a doctor and for a condition that if they had come when they first found out about it, they would have been able to be treated, and when they get to him, it's too late. Um, this was a young boy and dad who came in, and they're, they're smiling, but they're, he's very sick. This little boy is very sick, and this is an example of um, just the poverty and how children are working. Child labor is everywhere, so kids 7, eight, nine, 10, 11 are, are working. So these boys, I'm guessing they were 11, 12. He's carrying a big basket of mangoes, selling those. see that throughout the city. It breaks my heart. They're not in school. Their life is never going to be any better than what it is without an intervention from the Lord. Um, And that really breaks my heart. Uh, Women are not treated very well. Um, By and large, it's a very patriarchal society. Women are beaten by their husbands. There's a lot of gender-based violence. There's a lot of human trafficking. Just a lot of really difficult things um, that we encounter on a daily basis. But one of the things that um, has been very interesting for me and kind of leads into what I want to talk to you about today is the difference between individualism and community. You know, uh, in Ethiopia, it's a very community-oriented society, very communal. The focus is on the we It's not on the I or the me. It's on the we. It's on the concept of who are we in our tribe, in our community, in our town. Um, And it's very important. The community aspect of things is important. So the skirt I'm wearing today, my little fashion show, is the Walaita fabric. So everywhere you go, you see people wearing this fabric and a scarf. Nate has a jacket. <laughs> I told him he didn't have to wear it today. Um, and so these bright yellow, and this signifies the area we live in, the com- that particular community, Walaita. Um, so we, I've been ch- really challenged by this idea of community, communal living, making decisions based on community. Uh, we are part of a missionary team, and there are about 25 of us who live on the compound of the hospital, and we live, work, serve, worship, play in about 10 acres. <laughs> so we are a tight community, um, and we're very thankful for the for the people because they're really wonderful, and of course n- not perfect. Neither are we, but um, we really are so blessed to be a part and have learned about community even more from living in the same place with everyone. So um, last summer, we had the joy of Bart and Kat, or Barton Olivia coming to visit us. You saw that in the video. That, did you see those big crocodiles in the video that Olivia and I were screaming about? They're the largest crocodiles in the world. They're like 30 feet long. Terrifying. We went in a little boat together. (laughs) Okay, so anyway, Bart and Kathy, or Bart and Olivia came to visit us. And it was funny because after a day or two, Olivia started laughing about how often we say the community. (laughs) She said, we have the community prayer, and we need to go to the community dinner. And we have the community vote. <laughs> and She just thought it was the funniest thing. And it really got me thinking about this idea that this is a different kind of community than we've ever lived in before. There's a real commitment here of, that people have to each other. And, you know, when we lived here, we had great friends. Many of you were in long-term relationship with so many of you. Um, but if I'm being honest, my mindset was about was me and uh, and maybe us, but not necessarily about what is the good of the we, always. Um, I, it just wasn't the, my frame of reference to always think in terms of community and the we. It's a different mind, it's a different mindset. Um, and so the more I've thought about it, the more I'm thinking that American individualism has really de-emphasized community and overemphasized the wants and desires and rights of the individual. I don't know if you agree with me on that, but it's, when you step outside of it, you're really faced with it. You really see it. And the focus is on the unit of one or perhaps the unit of the family and not on really anything larger than that. And the consequences of that are pretty staggering Um, I was doing some reading, and the average American has between two and five close friends, just two and five. And um, most people, only 25% of people don't know or do know their neighbors who live around them. And in one study, it showed that the average American had not made a new friend since they were 25 years old. And I think about all the friends I've made in this past year, and I can't imagine my life without them. And all the friends I made when, I, when we came to fullness, and I can't imagine my life without them. And it's just mind-boggling to me to think, if I hadn't made a friend since I was 25 years old, how different my life would be. And people are lonely, aren't they? I mean, I know some people in this room are lonely. Um, even though we're connected on social media, we're, st- we're still pretty lonely. And... It's become an epidemic, and it's very costly. I read one study that said that the anxiety and depression that result from loneliness is similar to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It has that kind of an effect on your physical life, to be lonely and disconnected. And we don't have much accountability. You know, we're kind of running our own lives, and in a lot of cases we're running them straight into the ground. And... we. There's got to be more, right? There's got to be more to this whole thing. So as Christians, questioning this doctrine of extreme individualism is a good thing for us to do, to really step back and think about what we're doing. I mean, of course, ultimately, salvation is an individual decision. Although even in collectivist cultures, it's difficult for an individual to make a decision without their whole family coming to Christ— but we do know that it's between me. I'm going to be the one that stands before the Lord. So that's an individual decision. But after that, it becomes something different. The, the rules do change a little bit when you read the scriptures. And we see that demonstrated by Jesus, of course, right? So when you think about it, who, who was more worthy of going it alone than Jesus? I mean, he, he pretty much, he was fully man, fully God. He could have done it all on his own. But he didn't. He didn't. Ha- he did not do that. He chose the route of assembling a crew, a crew of his disciples, and they were a pretty motley crew. Um, but they built their lives together. They understood each other. They served together. They learned together. They grew together, and they were the plan for how the church was going to be built. And they were a community. And that's where I want to pick up in the scriptures. Um, they spent The disciples spent three years with him, and they saw him go to the cross, and they saw him be buried and raised again. And I, I even think, like, we call them the disciples. We don't even think of them as individuals, really, do we? Like, the term is the disciples, the team, the community. That's how the unit of analysis that we use with that group. Um, in Acts 1... Three, uh, it says, he appeared to them over a period of forty days and spoke about the kingdom of God. I might need help. I don't. Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, so uh, he. This is what happened after he died and was raised again. He still appeared to them. He loved them so much that he still had a few more things to say, right? And over forty days, he told them some more things to kind of get them ready for what was coming next. And then um, after he ascended, um, the Holy Spirit came upon that community and empowered them to go and preach the gospel, right? And Peter stood up in the assembly of people along with the other 11, and he said, he told them about the pathway to Jesus and about what the prophets had to say. And how Christ fulfilled those prophecies. And what does it say? It says, on that day, the Lord added 3,000 people that were baptized. They heard the message and were baptized. And immediately after that, here's where I'm going, the, we read, what we read about is how they began to assemble together. They had seen that in the Old Testament, right? They had seen their forefathers Come together, be a people, a symbol. And they knew that there was something to that, and that's what they started to do. They started to come together. So let's look at this is the main text I want to look at. Um, it's Acts 2, 42 to 47, and it says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And what we see here is the biblical idea of koinonia. And you've probably, maybe if you've been in church, you may have heard this term before. I think it's a really beautiful term. Um, And it's really about community, and it has to do with the word fellowship in that passage I just read to you. And it's the intimate bond of fellowship which unites Christians. The intimate bond of fellowship which unites Christians. And I ask you, do you have that? Would you say in your life you have an intimate bond of fellowship which unites you with other Christians? That's community, that's the kind of community we're called to. You know, the series Bart's doing is on relationships, and he, this is a theme he's preached on for years and years and years, right? Um, the thing is that even relationships can become me-centered. What do I want out of this? What am I getting from this? Am I doing enough to make the other person happy enough so they'll continue to give me what I want? It becomes very focused on self, or it can um, and we need to push beyond that. Koinonia, community, call us to push beyond just our, getting our needs met in relationship and to, to have something that only God can do, which is to unite a group of people and use them to ac- accomplish his kingdom purposes. The mo- most joyful times in my life have been times where I am a part of something bigger than myself like that where I am with a group who know each other and we're serving together and we're praying together and we are focused outward on something bigger than ourselves those have been the most joyful times in my life and we have that where we are now which I'm so thankful for we're united in purpose we have a fellowship which unites us as Christians so, what, I want to just kind of pick this apart um, here for what really is community. I want to answer three questions. So if you want your bulletin, I have three points. <laughs> now, don't pay attention to the subpoints under the points, okay? <laughs> but I know Bart was dissing me last week, so. <laughs> All right. So, three questions. Why is community necessary? Second question, what does biblical community look like? And then the third question, how can we make this type of community a reality? And I might be preaching to the choir here. I don't know. But I know there, as I look back on my time here, there are things I wish I would have done differently. Commitments I wish I would have made in a deeper way. And so this is coming out of that. Um, Just know that. All right, so why is community necessary? So when I read the Bible, what I see is that community is the heart of God. It's God's plan for himself, and it's God's plan for his people. Um, Bart tells us all the time, uh, Christianity is in its very nature relational. God is in his very nature relational. We know this. Um, Does God really need anyone I mean, he's omnipotent <laughs> and all that, all those other words. He doesn't really need us, and yet he wants us. He wants community. He wants relationship with us. He exists in community with the Spirit and with the Son. And he wants a people following after his name. And he—it it is his nature. And we are his image bearers, which means that it should be in our nature as well to, to want to be a part of a people, a community, something larger than ourselves. It, but, you know, I could think, well, maybe isn't it just enough I'm in relationship with the Trinity? I mean, that's a lot of work, right? <laughs> Keeping up my relationship with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but no, he has more. He wants more for us. He wants us to be in relationship with each other. So we, um, the Acts Church did not invent con- community, obviously. They, they became Christians and they just started gathering because they knew that this was the right thing to do. Um, so the, in the New Testament then takes it up another notch, really. I think Bart read this first last week, John 13. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. They're going to know we're his disciples by the way we love each other, by the way we care for one another. Uh, There's an author I really like. Her name's Christine Pohl, and she says this. The best testimony to the truth of the gospel is the quality of our life together. Jesus risked his reputation... And the credibility of his story by tying them to how his followers live and care for one another in community. Isn't that interesting? Jesus risked his reputation by tying it to us. <laughs> and how we treat each other. And whether we're going to love well enough that the world's going to see and know that there's more. That, that the Christian life is real and worth pursuing. The thing is, we cannot possibly live the life of community from a distance. We can't live it on social media, liking one another's Facebook posts. I mean, I'm thankful for that because it keeps me connected in a way with all of you here. But we can't have deep deep relationship if that's all we have. Um, We have to have proximity of our hearts of our emotions, and also our physical bodies. We have to be near one another and spend time together. You know, and God just totally knows what he's doing. (laughs) He knows that we need this. He knows that if we live in our own little bubbles, bad things are going to happen. We need to be encouraged, to be stretched, to be engaged with the love of Christ, and really Bad things happen when we isolate ourselves. You know, I, like Bart said, I worked on staff here for a long time. I did tons of counseling work. And what I noticed was when somebody started pulling away, that's when I knew something bad was happening (laughs) because they were isolating themselves. And then all of a sudden there's a crash and burn um, because they have taken themselves out of the community that they had. And... God knows that we need it. We need to have that kind of support. I could say a whole lot about this, but I think it's one of those things you sort of, we, we sort of all know we're supposed to do this, but we just don't really make the time for it or we don't really make the full commitment to it. So, what I want to talk about just a little bit now is kind of a little more nuts and bolts of, of community. So, what does it really look like to have biblical community? Well, first of all, it's not about going to church because you can go to church and never have community. You can, some of you come in this building, maybe, and never talk to anybody, or maybe say hi and then go out and are not in relationship or community. So it's not about going to church, although I, I want you to go to church, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about going to a small group, even. You can go to a small group and still stay, stay hidden. Um, it's not about having friends. I mean, people who live in the world and have nothing to do with Jesus. Uh, they have friends and they have relationships, and that's not the kind of community I 'm talking about here. It's community that goes beyond beyond that. And the Acts passage gives us some clues. So one of those is that. Growing together spiritually. So if we're going to have biblical community, we have to have some kind of a commitment of growing together spiritually. It says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And I think there's a reason this is listed first in this passage because it's the underpinning of everything else. The devotion to the apostles' teaching. It's, It's what makes everything else possible when we know what Jesus taught and how Jesus lived. And when we listen to his really radical teachings, we're challenged to live different kinds of lives than what everyone else is living around us. Um, The Acts Church was focused on growing in truth by learning more about what Jesus did and, and his message and through the apostles' teaching and by worshiping together. And this is where small groups really do come into play, where we can have the avenue to do those things together if we take full advantage of that. And I love small groups. I was over, I'm responsible for small groups when we lived here. We always led small groups in our home, so I know that it is a really a valuable thing to be a part of, um, but there has to be a high level of commitment for it to accomplish the things that I'm talking about today. Um, and another way that we can grow together spiritually is by praying together. And this has been one of the really fun things about for us uh, in our community in Ethiopia. We did a forty days of prayer and we had 10 different things we were praying for on our list. And we would gather one or two nights a week. And then the women gathered on Friday mornings at 6 o'clock in the morning. And the men gathered Monday mornings at 6 o'clock in the morning. And we prayed as a group for these things. And it was so fun to see what God was doing and how he was answering. And one example was our our hospital had needed new uniforms for a long time. And there wasn't any money. And so we decided to start praying that God would bring all the money in, and we decided we needed to give God a deadline, and so we gave him a week, <laughs> and he did it, amazing, he get, plus more, <laughs> new employees will get new uniforms, but there is just such a faith that this is God's money, he knows this is a need, and I, we really believe that he was going to supply it. And we are praying for some pretty big things, some of which we haven't seen yet, like 750,000 dollars to build some new buildings, but I'm confident that he it's his money. He can send it our way, right? <laughs> so um, we prayed for other things. We were praying for more Muslims to come to the hospital, and, which we definitely started seeing people from diff- all different people groups coming. We saw people coming to Christ in relationship and just some really amazing things during that 40 days. And it gave me a hunger to pray, and it gave me a hunger to be with those people to pray. And it was just a really beautiful thing. And it, it um, strengthened our community in great ways. You know, there's, there's lessons that we can only learn in the context of community, right? You know, how to forgive, how to have compassion, all of those things, how to be kind, those happen in relationship, and they happen in the context of community. And they happen when we do this second thing, which is we have connectedness and belonging when we're a part of each other. It says... Again, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. And, it, you know, everything in common. That's pretty connected, isn't it? I just walk in your closet, Dottie, and pull out your jacket? Is that okay? (laughs) You know, everything in common is pretty intense. Um, And we've gotten a little bit of a glimpse of this, um, because people are always, we have this little Viber group in in Ethiopia, and we'll say, does anyone have sugar? Does anyone have lettuce? Does anyone have this or this? And sometimes it's crazy stuff, like... I don't even know, candle wax or just random things. Like, I don't know, how did you bring that from America or why did you bring that from America? But um, people are so willing to have everything in common. And um, I love that. I love having the opportunity to be in that kind of relationship with people. Our lives intersect, don't they? Or they should. When I hurt, you should hurt. When I'm joyful, You should be joyful. Um, When I have a need, I hope that you would be part of that solution. Um, And we're not like all, I mean, we're like-minded, but we're not all the same. Parker Palmer, who's an author I really like, says this: we are formed by the lives which intersect with ours. The larger and richer our community, the larger and richer is the content of the self. So I'm expanded as a person by the people that I am in community with and who I am connected to. Um, it's, it's impossible for us to live disconnected lives where we are. The second we walk out of our house, there's someone there. <laughs> and it's someone wanting to talk to us, another missionary. And as soon as we take a few more steps, there's usually some Ethiopians around. And one thing we've learned is that Ethiopians have made greeting in Olympic sport. <laughs> When we were in language school, we figured out there's 16 different greetings. So there's um, morning greetings for men, women, older people, and groups of people. So Dana Dirk, Dana Dirsch, Dana Derachu, Dana Daru. And then at lunchtime, it totally changes. <laughs> <laughs> and then at night it changes, and then if you see somebody again at night right before bed, there's a whole other set of greetings for them. So it's very, very important. You never pass someone by without greeting them. It's part of being in that community to acknowledge a person, to say, I see you, you are important, and I, we are connected to one another. Um, you know, with this kind of community... We are like brothers and sisters, aren't we? This is God's intent is for us to be his His children, which means we're his, brothers, his, his daughters and his sons and his brothers and sisters. And, you know, I, I see a lot of times I see people say family is everything, and it kind of hurts my heart a little bit because that's not really biblical. I mean, Family, the family of God is really, really important. You know, Jesus, when um, his disciples said, there's your mother and your brothers, and he said, who are my mother and my brothers? You are, right? And I'm not to say family's not important because, of course, my brother's right there. He's important. But, um, <laughs> but it's, it's a lie from the, from the enemy of our souls that we can't trust anybody that's not in our family. We can trust the body of Christ. He, God's plan makes our family much larger than what it originally started out. And he desires for us to be in that type of relationship with people. The other thing that they um, did in the Acts Church was they practiced um, gratitude t- together. All the believers were together and had everything in common. I and one behind everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles so the word awe here is um, interesting in the greek it's the word phobos, which is like phobia but it's this like extreme awe that they had they were extremely awed by what god was doing in healing through the work of the people the apostles and the people who were out ministering it wasn't like they were jealous of anybody doing these miraculous works. They were just filled with awe. And they were celebrating what God is doing. And I, I'm so thankful in our, in our Ethiopian community that like rejoicing and giving testimonies and praises is of common occurrence. And on, on our little text group or in our, in our community meetings, we always have the opportunity to give praise to God. And it builds faith. It really does. I encourage you to do that more and more and more um, to to practice gratitude. And then the other part of this is serving and reaching out. So they said in Acts 2.46, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, you might wonder why is that serving and reaching out? (laughs) Well, um, I'm thinking somebody had to cook that food. Right? <laughs> Somebody had to serve enough to clean up their house and get it ready and, and get everything ready for people to come there and to do all the planning. And that led to people being reached by opening up their homes and by serving one another. And we see this so much in the attitude of Jesus and how he washed the disciples' feet. Um, another story I really love is the story of the paralytic who. Um, his friends brought him to Jesus on a mat. He couldn't walk, and what do you remember? What he did? What they did? His four friends, who weren't getting anything out of the relationship, I'm quite sure. You know, a paral- this paralytic man probably had not much to contribute to his friends, but they loved him so much they hoisted him up to the top of a house and lowered him. And because they loved him, and they were committed to him and he belonged to them and they wanted to serve they wanted to see this man be healed and what did jesus say he said because of their faith your sins are forgiven and get up and walk wow what a blessing to have friends like that who will take you to jesus and pray for you and go the extra mile to do that we um, are amazed so often when we're invited to someone's house in Ethiopia. And, again, it's a very poverty-laden um, place. And But when you go to someone's home, they just treat you like royalty. They this um, When Bart and Olivia were there, we went to this pastor's house, who I know makes almost no money. And he served us this roasted corn and this bread and coffee. And just he couldn't. We couldn't even talk to him because he was a different language than what we even knew, and we didn't have a translator, but he was there. He was just serving us and making us feel so welcome and wanted and a part of, a part of what he was doing there. Um, the, the people we work with are so incredibly generous and nice, and Nate and I, we all the time, we're like, they are so nice. They are so much nicer than us. we we say this all the time he is so much nicer than me (laughs) and I know comparison isn't a good thing but it's a motivator for us to want to be more generous and more kind and more loving to the people who are around us by serving together we never know what's going to happen right God is in our midst when we serve together when we work together and we really never know I put this picture in here (laughs) <laughs> from our very first mission trip. there's you, you may not even be able to recognize us in this picture. This is, uh, does this have a pointer? Oh, no. Nope. Okay. So I'll go back. Um, so, That's me with the striped shirt. I think I'm like 14 years old in this picture. (laughs) This was about 17 years ago, I think. Very first trip to Ghana. Dan Stafford, Beth Stafford, Pastor Bart, Jared is in there. Jared, who has a two-year-old now. Um, TV, TV's in there. Um, This was our first trip to Ghana, um, serving together. And I would never have believed that all these years later, I would be living in Africa. But God started it there. He started it. He planted the seeds on that very trip with those very people who I just treasure so much. You never know. um, But you've got to do some stuff to let God have room to work, right? You've got, as community, you've got to take steps out in serving and outreach so that you can give the Lord a chance to use you, to work, to take you places you never thought that you would go. And he's gentle about it. I mean, he did not tell me on that trip, okay, now move to, move to Ethiopia. He gave me 17 years to get that down. So he, but I'm so thankful for the opportunities that we had while we were here to serve and to grow. And there, one other quick story. This, um, I don't know if you can see these ladies very much, but there's these three women in this picture with Nate and his partner Mark that work together. They are a group of women from Canada called women with, or Mothers with a Heart for Ethiopia. And one of them had adopted an Ethiopian child and just kind of caught this vision for helping more. And she started a group and... They started doing some events and raising money, and now they support six different charities in Ethiopia. One of those is um, surgeries, prolapse surgeries for women that Nate does, and they've funded over 300 surgeries. And If you don't know what prolapse is, you can ask him later. If you really want to know, you might not. (laughs) But... uh, It's amazing, and these some of the women are believers, and some of them are not. And so it is; uh, these women are impacting each other as well as people in Ethiopia. And that woman in that picture, she had the surgery, and it changed her life. This surgery, in particular, literally changes a woman's life, where she can go back to being a functioning member of society. Because that group of small, little group of women, mothers with a heart for Ethiopia. Ha- caught a vision and came together as a community to serve and to give. I hope God is stirring things in you as I'm talking. That there's more that he might want to do through you as you're part of community. So how can we make this a reality? You know, there's lots of methods. I've mentioned small groups. That's a method. Um, it's not the, it doesn't guarantee anything as I said. Um, but there's some, I think, a few other things that we can really kind of focus on. One is to be together. Spend time together. <laughs> Community doesn't happen in a hurry, and it doesn't happen in isolation, as I mentioned before. It says all the believers were together. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. There is a regularity about it. No, I think about my time here and how much time did I really spend with people how much time did I spend on my computer? <laughs> Which, how was the balance of that? You know, how much time did I watch YouTube videos or be on Facebook versus spend time with people and make the sacrifice to be with people? Um, what, and one of the things we can do is just invite people to our homes. I honestly, when we were when we were part of this body, there's I didn't go to that many homes. While we were here. And that's not meant to be a a criticism. It's just meant to say, uh, we can can really do this more. We can really open our homes up to each other. And I know there's always lots of excuses. Oh, my home's not very this. It's not that. It's not this. Well, let me tell you. In Ethiopia, people will invite you to their house if their house is six by six. And they will be so excited that you are at their house. We, um, this is our language teacher, Paulos, and his wife. And they live in two rooms. So this room, the front where the table is, that's their first room. And the other room is their bedroom. Now, when we went to Paulos' house, he has his meat hanging on a string in his bedroom. <laughs> which I hadn't seen that before. But <laughs> he was drying his meat. I didn't eat any, but... <laughs> Some people did. Um, but this is his house. This is his kitchen. The, the, next to it. That's his kitchen. It's a charcoal, a little wood. That's how they cooked our meal. They had us They were so excited that we came to their house. We can do this, people. <laughs> we can invite people into our homes and not worry about it, because what we should, we're focused on and what we care about is the people and welcoming welcoming them in. Um, another thing that's really sweet is how close everyone likes to be there physically. So this is a class I was teaching and it was a giant classroom I was in. And I think I had nine or 10 students and I was they were doing a group project and these men were literally sitting on two chairs. They sit right on top of each other. And this is how it is all the time, this physical proximity. And men often hold hands with each other walking through the city. Um, women hold hands with each other and it's just sheer friendship and love. And it, I just, it's just such a fun thing to see. Um, here what here, we have to be spread out. don't touch me, don't get too close to me, kind of a thing. But there's something about like they know they love each other, they care about each other. Uh, they are together. The next one is be committed. Um, he said, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer devoted. They devoted themselves. This, this isn't show, I'll show up if it's convenient. It's not, um, it's, it's continued steadfastly. That's what the King James says, is they continued steadfastly. And we seem to have lost this willingness a little bit, I think, You know, like I'll come if I don't have a better offer or if I don't feel like staying at home in my pajamas and eating pizza or whatever. We've kind of lost this idea of um, making commitments like this. But to have a flourishing community, people have to know that we are committed to each other. We have to know that about each other, that I can trust you. I can rely on you. And then the third thing is to be a giver. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. For some of us, this would be the biggest type of sacrifice, right? Sell some possessions and give the money to someone else. I mean, I might need that money later. <laughs> Something bad might happen, and I might need that money. For other people, it might, a sacrifice of giving might really be spending time with people. Um, my time is so valuable, I really don't have the time. That would be a sacrifice for us. Or serving another person, um, opening yourself up to another person—that would be a sacrifice. Um, when I look back, I—I I really, I actually have said this many times. I regret not giving more sacrificially while we had money, <laughs> when we had more resources. I'm not saying that just to get money for us, promise. Um, I'm saying that because I see the amazing things that are happening around the world and happening in this community and happening in this church. And it takes resources to do that. And when I look... Even now, we got rid of most of our stuff, but I still have a lot of stuff here. And I wish, oh, if I had just spent that money to send it to a missionary and know that what they were doing was going to reach people for the gospel, I wish, I wish I would have done that and not bought that shirt or those shoes or whatever. Um, but we, in community, we make sacrifices for giving. We, they sold their property um, to give to anyone who had needs. So, Looking around in our community, uh, who has a need? And what could I do to help fill that need? So, you know, when you look at this, um, these passages, or what I've gone over here, um, be a giver and be together and be committed, there are three, there's three things, right? There's three B's. And it's me who has to be that. I cannot wait For somebody else to invite me into community. I cannot wait for someone else to get the community going. It's me, be, do. Um, I have to make the commitment. I have to make the first step. That's one of the things I learned in ministry here and in missions work is you have to be intentional. And you have to be the one who initiates things. Or a lot of times it won't happen. And so the result... Um, Almost finished The result um, Rick Warren says this Meaning comes from connection Not independence Meaning We think it comes from independence Right? American individualism We think my meaning Comes from independence Biblical economy Meaning comes from connection If you don't like fellowship on earth You're not going to like heaven That's what he says (laughs) It's all about community there We might as well get good at it here (laughs) Um, we have the possibility of impacting people in a really important, big way. If we commit to community, we can really see a difference and see the kingdom of God expanded. And that is because God is present in community. He is with us. He is in this room with us. Any time we gather together, He is with us. When you look at that Acts church, it wasn't. Um, it says they were. Um, Praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It was not because um, they were awesome evangelists. It doesn't even say anything about evangelism in this passage, really. It wasn't because they were all spectacular people, the best, the most awesome people in the community. It was because they were together, and they were living this amazing communal life that impacted the world around them. And people were like, I want that. I want that kind of life. I want that kind of community. Giving up our right to fierce individualism can lead to really incredible things. Um, And you don't have to move to Ethiopia (laughs) to have this. Um, I really believe fullness that God can do amazing things, even more than what's already happening if People will band together in community to live this kind of way, to be together, to serve together, to have a heart, to be a we, to be a, a team, to be a community that is, has the bigger picture at heart at all times. But it takes action, and it takes action on all of our part. And so I just want to close with this, these ideas of what steps could I take this week? To grow spiritually with others. What could you do to grow spiritually with someone else? What could you do to make a commitment to someone? To actually say, I'm committing to pray for you. I'm committing to spend this amount of time with you. I'm committing to give. To give to others. To make a sacrifice of your time or your talent or your treasure or to impact the world through community, through something larger than yourself. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that your design is relationship and community. Thank you that we are your people. Thank you that you love us and that we are empowered by you to do these things. We don't, in our heads it might seem so hard to do this on our own but we're not doing it on our own we're doing it with you so help us lord i pray that every person in this room would have some ideas of how to increase the amount of relationship and community that they have in their lives i pray for great vision for this church for what could be accomplished if people would band together even greater ways help us lord we need your help Uh, Everything in our culture is pushing against this, fighting against it. So it's got to be a supernatural move from you to see this happen. And we trust you. We believe, Lord, that this is your plan, so you are going to provide. We thank you and we pray in Christ's name. Amen.